Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. I spy a fraud. Probably never even knew his grandmother. All right, goddammit. You got a problem with me? Take it up with me. But don't ever talk about my grandmother again. Oh, I forgot. The poor orphan from New York City who I should feel sorry for because he never learned to drive. I'm telling you, watch yourself. Why? Because I hurt your feelings? Lewis! I don't care. For all I know, you're probably not even an orphan. Lewis. The sure as hell wouldn't be the first time a con man tried to make that claim. That's enough. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Pull the car over right now. I'm going to beat the shit out of him. Oh. Suit Season 4, Episode 13 is over. And if you're ready to hear us talk about Fork in the Road, then Suits Yourself. I'm Rob Sestradino, back here with the guy who would never forget the name of a Missandei. It's Chappelle. Chappelle, how are you? Rob, truer words have never been spoken. I was yelling at the screen. This is Missandei. Um, do you think Rachel Zane is a discount Missandei? So it's so interesting because I guess at the original air date of this episode, February 11th, 2015, that maybe was there a point in human history when people confused Missandei and Meghan Markle? Is it is it was there a point in human history when people like uh, that maybe like Meghan Markle like walked a red carpet and people were like, oh, Missandei. OK, so I'm going to do a quick Google. Um, why Natalie Emmanuel jokes about Meghan Markle in interviews, in four weddings and a funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes up. Apparently, it's a thing. The internet is telling us that, but um, not anymore. Like, I, movies. I like maybe well, Sunday I mean, won the people, won the battle, but you know, Meghan Markle Meghan won the Markle war. Won the war for sure. I think Game of Thrones was the biggest thing on television, probably in the in like popular culture at the time much bigger than suits you know sad for me to say because i do love suits and this is um, like the height of game of thrones like 2015 right, the, yeah the biggest game of thrones like when you're just coming in and like they're dropping khaleesi without any type of you know without any type of you know uh precursor it's like oh yeah we came to talk about khaleesi and everybody knows what you're talking about you know you don't have to like uh it's in the same conversation as like star wars and all these other stuff you know so it's just huge and uh at this time Meghan marco was you know the woman from Suits or the woman from Deal or No Deal or yeah. those two episodes of Law and Order and CSI or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I think that's what it was. I was like, they probably saw Masande on Game of Thrones and thought, isn't that that girl from Suits? Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Um, and now, you know, Meghan Markle is probably one of the most notable na- names and faces in the world. 
but she still kind of looks like Masande. <laughs> yeah. It's still, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. All right. So uh, this was an interesting episode here for me. This is, uh, I believe, our third flashback episode. We've been having one a season going back to season two. Uh, we flash back to, what, five years ago? Then, like, ten years ago. Now six years ago, but we're like four years in. So I don't know. I guess maybe this is like, I don't know what year this is uh, supposed to be in Suits time. I guess this is maybe like three years before the start of the events in the series Suits. Yeah, well, um, Meghan Markle gets her start in this episode in the, in the flashback. And she is in a, what, a third or fourth year paralegal by the time Mike Ross shows up. Mm -hmm. So it sounds about right. Yeah. And so uh, we have stuff going on in the flashback world where we're getting to see really the beginnings of Harvey and Lewis. And, and really in the original like flashback episodes, I feel like there was not a ton of Lewis uh, in uh, the the. The only thing that I mean, Lewis was just harassing that one woman in uh, the original flashback <laughs> episode, uh, but not a lot of like Harvey and Lewis's relationship in the other flashbacks episodes. And that's really what we focus on. Daniel Hardman is back for this. Trevor, Trevor is, back. is back. Granny yes. is back. When when you were watching the um, this, the, you know, uh, previously on Suits and they showed yeah. Trevor, did you get hype? I wasn't hyped because I was like, oh, my God, they're going to bring Trevor back. But I don't mind when they bring him back in the flashback. But honestly, like, was this the most insufferable Trevor that we've gotten yet? I thought this was the best Trevor we've ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching thinking, Trevor sucks, but he does really like Mike. You know, he's trying to give him a place to live for the year. He's trying to make up for this thing with college. You know, there's a point where Mike is Mike wants to get back on the weed, and Trevor's like, "Hey, bro, do you are you sure you want to you sure want to go that route? Mm -hmm. I thought you were getting your life together." You know, there are several moments where Trevor is trying to be there for Mike. He even yeah. gives Mike some really good advice. He says, "Hey, Mike, why you're tripping over this woman, Claire? There are plenty of fish in the sea." And Mike's like, "I'll never find someone like her. You really will never find another law student in New York that you could date." Mm -hmm. I'm sure Trevor was right. Trevor said, "I'm sure you will. I think you'll be fine." And yeah. Mike has Masande now. I'm sorry. Uh, I think this is the best Trevor content you're ever going to get. Yeah, but I didn't like it when Trevor's like, Mike, you have to pick between Granny and me. <laughs> he said, you got to talk to Granny for me. Because what, look, in this episode, we see seeds of, and the show does a really good job of this, is like trying to, to go back and plant seeds that were not there before about Mike Ross always wanting to be in law because he wanted to help people and all this other stuff. Like, we've never gotten that. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk, they kind of like make that the narrative that Mike Ross really likes to help people fine. But this idea that Mike Ross... He helps people girl, take tests. Yeah, but this idea that Mike Ross ran into a girl... And the girl said, you're just not serious enough for me, bike messenger. You got to do something with your life. And he goes, you know what? You're right. I need to get my life together and go to law school. I think that's a little silly. And so Trevor's like, you're pretending to be a lawyer so that you can be with this girl. Mm -hmm. I've been your best friend since we were like five years old. You could at least put in the good word for me with your grandma. And Granny's like, that boy, Trevor, that kid, him. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I don't, I don't really blame Trevor. He's like, Bruh, I'm trying my best. We're yeah, I'm a horrible person, but I'm trying to be a good friend to you. At least talk to your granny and tell her I'm not a like a murderer. Chappelle, this was good practice for Mike Ross. This is the first time he got to be a fraud lawyer. He started so early. Like, mm -hmm. you know, That's why he's he, so good at it. 
the the show we had presented us like Mike Ross stumbled across his opportunity. He he had you know been studying to go to law school before X Y Z, and then Harvey saw him, and then they just kind of got swept up in the moment. Next thing you know, he's working for Harvey. But Mike had been trying to pull this uh, scam off since day one. Since the moment he saw Claire, he's like, oh, well, got to be a lawyer. Claire says, oh, I go to NYU. He's like, oh, that's great. I go to Columbia. Does no research, nothing. Typical Mike Ross. You would think if you tried this scam before, you would already know the fail safes to save yourself, you know, from, from getting no. in trouble. But he gets in trouble in this episode. And he he learns nothing. Mm-hmm. He learns nothing from this. I also feel like that he walks away from this episode like, okay, well, I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna go to be a, get a law degree. I'm gonna go to school and finally make something of myself. But there seems to be like no growth from Mike Ross in between like where he is in this episode and the start of Suits. He's still like a bike messenger. Rob, taking fake tests for people. Point. Yeah. We saw the turning point. Yes. He had door number one, stay with granny, go to school with at granny's house, hang out with Trevor on the weekends, that kind of thing. Get your life together. Door number two, the weed. Mm-hmm. Trevor says, are you sure you want to do this? Mike says, give it to me. He's like, I'm still a bike messenger. And the moment Trevor hands him that blunt, it just... From there, we just pick off, we pick up where the show starts. Mm-hmm. You know, like three, do fast forward three years later, he's still on the bike, he's still on the weed. I'm sorry, <laughs> Rob. We they call it a gateway drug for a reason. It was his gateway to nothingness, <laughs> and he finally got out thanks to Harvey. <laughs> this was a question we got, I think, in season two in our feedback form, and, and I want to say that it was David that uh, sent this in, but. The question was, like, did we need this flashback? Now, I always enjoy the flashback, but was there any, like, piece of information that really, like, changed the narrative for you to go back to this particular point six years ago? They are trying to make us all in on Mike Ross, the lawyer. They really want us to commit to that idea that Mike Ross is not a fraud. He is just someone who did not go to law school. You know, and and I know, I know that sounds like a fraud because it is, but the show wants us to get emotionally attached to the idea that Mike is a lawyer. He just doesn't have the credential to prove it. And so they've told us that before. This time it shows Mike, he's in it for the right reasons, y'all. He's not in it for the girl. He's in it because he wants to be a better person and life is just in the way. Yeah. So that's what they were giving us. Now, why they showed Rachel at all in this in flashback? His, in his knows? heart, he's a lawyer. It doesn't matter if he has a diploma from law school. In his exactly. heart, he knows he is a lawyer. There are so many lawyers out here doing bad things. There are lawyers out here, uh, you know, being lawyers for big corporations and stuff like that, which is what Mike is going to do one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and like, you know, trying to keep the little man down. Uh, you know, there are lawyers that are here oppressing people because of the law and the law is oppressive in a lot of ways. But Mike Ross is one of the good guys. He He's coming in with a pure heart. Uh, it w- Yes, it was driven by his, uh, you know, his attempts to meet this girl. But, you know, since then, he's like, no, I really want to save people. Ever since his very first case, when mm-hmm. he tried to save someone and wasn't allowed to uh, because of, you know, a hater. And so, uh, yeah, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get us all in like our minds wrapped around the idea that yes, he is a fraud, but he's our fraud. We're all we're all okay with it, including Mike, Jessica, Harvey. Like they want all of us in on this idea. I just, for me, we're watching the show in too close succession. You know, we're watching it back to back to back to back to back, so I can see what y'all are trying to do. Had I waited 
you know, had there been a mid-season finale and we, we waited six weeks, maybe I could come back to this idea. Mm-hmm. I, can, I still see a fraud. <laughs> okay. Harvey in the flashback times that him and Lewis are uh, both associates uh, still at this point in time. They're both trying to make junior partner. Uh, Daniel Hardman is able to uh, bring somebody up and Lewis and Harvey say, hey, we're a team. Let's go into Daniel Hardman's office and then we'll tell him uh, to take both of us. And that's not how Daniel Hardman plays the game. He's like the Joker. He is. He comes in, he breaks the the pool cue, throws it in the middle, like, uh, y'all figure it out. Uh, But yes, this is uh, Harvey and Lewis's kind of origin stories that they were both associates. And there's this open spot as senior partner because one guy dies. And Harvey's like, okay, now it's time for us to make our move for senior partner. But Lewis is saying, look, what if, what if, Two junior partners is just good enough. They don't go, they won't go hire another senior partner. They could just move us up to junior partner because we're just associates right now. Harvey's thinking, this is not great. I really, I really don't think this is gonna work. But Lewis, it's your plan. I'll back you on it. They go in like besties. Daniel Hardman, we have a proposal for you. Daniel looks at them and says, Oh, y'all want to work together? Wouldn't it be wild if y'all did it? Mm-hmm. You know, if I pitted y'all against each other. And so very quickly, Harvey's like, this is Lewis's idea. He gives Lewis the credit for the great idea. But Lewis is like, no, I want us to have the credit. I want this to be a team effort so that we can make this move to junior partner together as a family. Now, Harvey's thinking, well, no, if you're talking about a competition, I'm the guy for you. If you want me to compete against Lewis, I'm about to wipe the floor with him. And then I'm going to get that spot as junior partner. And that just isn't what Daniel Hartman is looking for right now. He tells Jessica that basically he's looking for Harvey to put the firm first. And we know Harvey struggles with that. That's probably his biggest weakness. Now, do you feel like that the point of Daniel Hartman here in this episode was to really help establish that the real reason why Harvey and Lewis were not on the same page through so much of the Suits timeline is because Daniel Hartman pitted them against each other? They've always been pitted against each other. Yeah, it, it does kind of make it feel like they were always going to be at odds. They would have been like, best friends. They could have been. They could have been best friends. But honestly, Daniel Hardman's evil, and then Harvey can't get out of his own way. Lewis in this episode is presented as if he's in the he's in the right a lot of this time. You know, like he's saying, "I was trying to do this for us." Eventually, he does backstab Harvey, but yeah, from jump, he's like, "No, this is for us. I'm trying. Like we can we can do this together as a family." Uh, but they never get on the same page. Harvey's motive is to win. Um, Lewis's motive is to to win as well. But he kind of wants his cake and eat it too. He wants he wants to be able to backstab you, and then also you'd be like, "But it's fine." Uh, whereas Harvey's more like a stab you in the front type of guy. Like he'll come to you and say, "I'm about to make this move that is beneficial for me. Can you support me in that?" Whereas Lewis is kind of like, "Yeah, I'll support you," and then he doesn't support you, and then he goes and he's like, "But we're fine, right?" I, I I totally didn't support you, but we're good, right? And Harvey just does not play that game. He calls him like a rat floater or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it fits. Yeah, what was going on in uh, Big Brother in uh, <laughs> this, this is uh, in 2015? Yeah, so uh, they, well, I mean, it was Derek had just won in uh, the uh, suits airing time, but six years before that, I'm not sure exactly what was going on. Uh, well, I mean, 2015. Uh, that's definitely uh, like Big Brother 17, the 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 heyday of Steve Moses. Yeah, the King Rat Floater. King yeah. Rat Floater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
In this episode, Daniel Hardman is telling uh, Lewis and Harvey, hey, get me McKernan Motors. And that was another thing back from season one. Even the companies from the old episodes have to come back, Chappelle. Yeah, I was shocked to hear McKernan coming back, especially in this light, because we see the beginnings of this. Harvey's Harvey's like first big client was McKernan Motors. Um, he's going in, uh, you know, to beat Lewis to the punch. And he goes to the McKernan guy. He's like, hey, I know you're looking for somebody to represent you, but I'm the guy. The guy's like, oh, so what did you bring? Like your PowerPoint? Where's your folder? Where's your documents? I was like, PowerPoint. A PowerPoint. <laughs> I need a PowerPoint. Let me show you my yearbook picture. And he shows him the yearbook picture because apparently loyalty is Harvey's brand, Rob. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, not not that he Scotty. Yeah, no, no, literally nobody else. Everyone is upset. With, when, I mean, when we meet Harvey, basically everybody hates him, but they tolerate him because he knows how to win. Um, but Harvey's brand has always been loyalty. He says loyalty is a two-way street. If I'm asking it for uh, for it for you or whatever, you're getting it from me. So he tells uh, the guy that, like, listen, I got you, and when I win this case for you, you can hire me. Because he promises his man that, like, I won't trade up, right? I, if I if I am representing you, I will not go to a bigger company. We've actually seen Mike Ross pull this before with Walter Gillis, where he says, no, I'm going to help you with your, I'm going to get your company, and I promise I won't let them decimate it. I won't let them do anything with it. And so when Harvey goes in and gets McKernan, Dave Hartman's like, cool, because we're definitely trading up to Fletcher, right? We're not doing that. So let it go. It's over. You got to let uh, McKernan go. Harvey's like, I'm not. I refuse. That's not how I get down, Daniel. Daniel's like, okay, I don't really care because I'm named partner. I'm managing partner, and you're going to do what I asked you to do or else. And mm -hmm. so this is when Harvey is first with his, like, his first big conflict that we've seen in Suits. Yeah. And we see where Harvey is going to be able to land McKernan Motors, but it was one of Daniel Hardman's oldest tricks in the books. Uh, so it was, hey, we're going to get McKernan Motors only to be able to get a bigger fish and get this uh, big engine company as a client. And uh, we see back and forth between Harvey and Daniel Hardman. You can't do this. Yes, I can. And ultimately, uh, we get a lot of tension between Daniel Hardman and Harvey. Yeah, they probably hated each other from this moment. It seems like Daniel Hardman might not have been a, a big fan of Harvey prior to that either. But yeah, Harvey coming in and basically being like, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to tell Jessica really probably didn't even like play too well with Daniel Harmon then, especially because Jessica was in on it. He, Daniel Harmon told Jessica from jump, I just want Harvey to put the firm in front of him, his own self. Harvey saw his opportunity to be loyal to a client and said, this is a Harvey thing. This is my personal, uh, you know, like cross to, uh, to carry, to bear or whatever. And so he's got it. And then Harvey's like, okay, but let that go. And we can triple the amount that we're about to bring in by going with Fletcher. Harvey wasn't willing to. And we even see Donna in the flashback. Rob, mm -hmm. we get to see the first ever time Donna walks her ass into somebody else's business in this office. She is standing in Jessica's office, and Jessica's like, do you, are you lost? Yeah. Do you need something? <laughs> um, why are you in here? Now, it's probably every other day she's in there telling Jessica how to do her job. But she tells her then, like, hey, you know you're wrong for letting them like pass up for, on Harvey for this senior partner yeah. thing, right? It's like, oh, uh, Donna, you could go back to the DA's office if you want. Yeah. If you got so many opinions. Jessica's like, do you know why I'm up here and you're here? Like, I see right. the big picture. Okay, get out of my office. Right. 
And I was like, oh, you knew all along? He's like, yes, I knew all along because Jessica agrees. Yes, Harvey does not put the firm before himself. And so because of that, Lewis is the first one to move up to junior partner. And I don't think we ever knew that. Yeah, we didn't know that before. We also didn't know that Donna signed Michael Jordan. Yeah, that was interesting. That was an interesting I'm a little curious to know about the Donna-Michael Jordan relationship. Well, it definitely sounds like Michael Jordan was getting signed by Harvey, but Harvey wasn't in and Donna handled the phone call. And so, uh, you know, Donna probably, Harvey had already told her what she was going to do, this, that, other. Donna made the conversation happen because it's Donna. And then when Harvey came in, she's like, look, I got you a thing. Uh, and it is uh, the basketball from Michael Jordan. I guess she had him uh, send that. So she had already had this planned and locked up months before if she got a signed autograph, you know, basketball from Michael Jordan very quickly like that. Uh, but, you know, Michael Jordan is Harvey's God. Nobody likes to win as much as Michael Jordan or Harvey. You know, a good, healthy Enneagram three, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they even talk about Michael Jordan in this episode. Uh, do you remember the conversation between Jessica and Harvey that, about uh, the the jumper? The yes, shot? which was the better what was the better shot? Obviously, the shot, the the mm-hmm. jumper on uh, on Elo. That was that's that's the one. Three seconds left, game five of the Cleveland series. He, you get Jordan with that iconic fist pump, and then like the pow 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 pow. He's like he's like punching the air. They locked it up. I'm sorry, uh, Jessica was right here, but Harvey is a Michael Jordan guy, and Donna has been having his back since day one. Let's talk about what's happening in the present in this episode because we are still dealing with the Lewis of it all. I mean. First of all, I mean, Lewis really has is front and center on everybody's mind. I mean, in the beginning of the episode, you know, uh, Rachel is like, oh, Mike, uh, let me like I'm thinking about how I want to tie you up with that tie. And he's like, boy, you're in a good mood this morning. She's like, well, you know, like Lewis is, uh, you know, being nice to everybody. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, get Lewis out of (laughs) mind. He's he's an aphrodisiac. Who knew? You know, like yeah. you're like, okay, Lewis. Lewis is Lewis. When Lewis is upset, nobody's horny. But now it's it's game on. He's 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 mm-hmm. starting to feel a little bit better. He's nicer to to Rachel. So now you know the juices are flowing a little bit. I guess uh, so. Yeah, but even Jessica and Harvey are talking about it as well. That's why they brought up the Michael Jordan conversation because they're telling uh, Jessica's telling Harvey, "You're not Michael Jordan. You cannot do whatever you want to do. This is not your league. You have to do things that I want you to do, and I want you to make up with Lewis." Now, to Harvey's credit, he's like, I hear you, but Lewis is the one walking around here being a tyrant. I'm trying to make up with Lewis. Like, I am. But the issue really isn't Harvey versus Lewis. It's Lewis versus Mike. He's never forgiven Mike for all of this, this extra, you know, all of this fraud and stuff like that. He's really taking it personally. So it's now Harvey's job to take the kids on a road trip and make them uh, yeah. make them act nice. Rob, right. have you ever been in this position? Um. Like what type of specific position? Like being on a road trip with people that I'm not uh, feeling good with? No, that you have had to try to get your kids to uh, to be on a, a level playing field <laughs> oh, in a car. Oh, <laughs> um, I was gonna say I, I've been on many road trips where my wife is not speaking <laughs> to me, and it's very uh, awkward. Um, uh, I love a good road trip where the person in the passenger seat is not talking to me. I will turn on a podcast and a headphone mm-hmm. and the music and a heartbeat and sing my little heart out. Uh, yeah. But no, this episode is very much Harvey, like, you two kids get along or else. And uh, I wondered if you'd ever been in that position. <sighs> um, yeah, we just, like, stop talking to each other. Like, if anything, it's not like we're trying to just, we're, like, stop fighting. Like, that, there's, yeah. like, there's, 
stop fighting more so than uh, like the heal the heal the wounds. Yeah. Like things are gonna go back to normal. The brothers are gonna reset eventually. But we're not yeah, trying to make like, peace. Yeah, you, you don't want a ceasefire. You don't you don't want so much them to get on the same page. You just need them to stop talking. To don't each look other. at him. Don't touch him. Don't, don't worry him, about don't like, his put your window. foot down. Like uh, yeah, don't, don't don't use his cup holder. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah, more so that than like don't. But won't you guys hug it out? Come on. Yeah. Because Harvey tells them we're gonna ride in silence until you two make up and get your and get your sh- together because he's about to offer Lewis fifty percent of the McKernan Motors account and uh, he's bringing Mike along for the ride just so the two can heal. Uh, but they're riding in silence and so eventually he gets them to talk, but it's all basically insults. Uh, but insults is better than silence for Harvey Rob. Sure, um, but until we get to the point where. Lewis is saying that everything about Mike is a fraud. He's, he's the one person that he won't forgive. I mean, maybe if Mike would have brought Lewis a pruny, like we saw Harvey do in this episode, maybe that that would have helped. But Lewis does not want to take Mike back. Mike was patient zero, uh, allegedly, <laughs> in terms of infecting everybody, uh, even though Mike says that's actually the person who gets the first infection. So who was patient Harvey. zero? Harvey was patient zero. <laughs> Harvey's, Harvey's patient zero. Patient Zero is driving the car. Mm -hmm. So we get to a point where Lewis is like, hey, like, are you even really an orphan? Like, you probably Mm -hmm. made that all up, too. Did you even have a granny? Did you even have a (laughs) granny? And Mike, he's going to talk his crap. And he's like, Harvey, that's it. Pull over the car so I can beat Lewis's ass. Yeah, Shades of Grey's Anatomy. Callie Torres walking in and being like, I'm about to whoop Meredith's ass. You know, same same concept here. But this time, and we've called it before, Mike Ross can't fight. I no. said it. We said it, what, a few weeks ago or days ago or hours ago. I don't know how many times we do this podcast uh, a week. But we said it. We said, if Mike just slapped the hell out of Lewis, I would not be upset about it. But also, I think Lewis could take him. And in this episode, where they finally get into it, Lewis makes sure you know that he can take him. Lewis uh, puts him in quite the headlock, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a sleeper hold almost, and like got Mike tapping out on the on the hood of the car. Yeah, no punches got thrown, but uh, we see like that Lewis is just like it's basically like one of those like UFC type things where it's like uh, Mike's going to tap out eventually. Yeah, Harvey has Lewis to is a ground and pound guy. <laughs> yes, he is. Surround and drown guy. Yeah. Once uh, Lewis has you on the ground, it's over. Yeah, it's a wrap. You can't let. Listen, listen, I'm a scrappy guy. You cannot let the bigger person like grab you you have to keep you have to use your reach you have to you have to bob you have to weep but you gotta you cannot let that person grapple you that is an issue you gotta you gotta be yeah. loose and and mike says it he's like i'm i'm pretty slippery i'm gonna be hard to get it in and yeah. uh to get in touch with and that has like, no, not been that's the not, case that's not the experience you you lose you sir you've been memorizing a lot of things but you need to go in <laughs> you and, are and only box. slippery when it comes to the grasp of the law my friend that is it. And that is all. You know, I think Harvey really, if he's really Mike's friend, he takes him to the to the to the boxing gym. Uh, but yeah, this is a moment though when Lewis cracks. You know, Lewis is not a violent person, it doesn't seem. And so when him putting Mike into a headlock, he also he also sh- shouts at Mike, like, you ruined my life and you ruined my firm. And I'm thinking, you put a lot of this on Mike, Lewis, when a lot of this is your doing, you could have just left this be. But at the same time, 
Lewis is breaking down. Like yeah. that's like that's his thing. Like if he's been holding his end. Mike Ross, you're the you're the cause of the problem. He was living in a perfect Mike free world before you came, and now he's a part of this fraud too. So, but honestly, yeah. don't you think it's more Harvey's fault than Mike's fault? Like if Mike 100%. comes in and says, "Hey, I'm a fake lawyer," and Harvey's like, "Okay, all right, let's bring right. come on in." You know, I mean, Meet who's Lewis. whose yeah. fault is that? <laughs> Let me introduce it's you to not, Lewis Litt. That Mike didn't trick Harvey. No, he didn't. Um, you know, I think that Lewis always, you know, displaces his anger and his emotions. He always, he just doesn't know what to do with those things all the time. And so for him, he's he, like Harvey and Donna have basically apologized and groveled at his feet. They're, they're throwing like clients at him and all kinds of stuff. And so Lewis looks at that as an apology. But Mike Ross has not apologized to Lewis, not no. this time. And so he like, you haven't even said you're sorry. I'm involved in all of this with you. I don't want to be. You're a fraud. You besmirched my relationship. You've besmirched my law firm and my school. And here you are riding in the car, like incredulous that I won't forgive you. And you haven't even apologized. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a moment of just like pure emotion from Lewis when he chokes Mike. Um, because afterward he's crying a little bit. Yeah. But it does like uh, release. release the tension though. Yes. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, because eventually Mike and uh Lewis talk, and Lewis is like, Yeah, I, I know you're I know you're actually a little uh, like you know, an orphan, and I know you had a granny. My bad. I was mm-hmm. just saying that to piss you off. And Mike's kind of like, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry for frauding you and lying to you. And I right, I really think we can move forward. Harvey comes out, gives him some juices. <laughs> Here's juice a juice box, box for you, yeah. a juice box for you. Come on, we're all on the same page. And I think all the wounds are healed. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but it seems like, like it. It seems like it. I uh, don't like it. Why? You, like you it. want them to stay mad? like, Or that they can't forgive Lewis for how he was the last couple of episodes? Y'all really gonna forgive Lewis now? Yeah. I, look, I get like I can see both sides of this. I can see that like Lewis was hurt very deeply by this. Like he took this very personally, and everybody that he knew and loved were in on the joke. So I understand why he takes it so personally. But the way he been acting, they really gonna let that slide, Rob. I'm gonna tell you right now, I am not them. I would not. I might smile in your face and be like, "Yeah, it's all good," but there is no way Lewis live. You count your damn days. I would have been like, "There is no way." But you can't you can't beat him up, Mike. So you got to figure out. <laughs> you got to figure it out. They do yeah, say like you know Harvey set this whole thing up, right? Uh, and yeah, I guess this was Harvey's plan because we get that Mike doesn't know how to drive and that they're going to keep the car and Lewis will teach Mike how to drive. I feel like that uh, would love have loved to have seen that part of the episode, but we don't get to see that. No, and Harvey gives Lewis fifty percent of a current Motors, but he gives the other fifty to Mike. So Harvey's like, yeah, I remember I told y'all I was giving, I was going to give you 50%, Lewis. I, well, I didn't say I was keeping the other 50. So congrats. You and Mike go in. Here's your new client. And we know Harvey loves McKernan Motors. So this is a, a like big jump from where Lewis was getting that uh, Miss Walsh lady that Harvey didn't care about mm-hmm. at all. Um, and so all things seem to be on the up and up with Mike, Lewis, and Harvey. And um, I kind of hated the episode. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you didn't like how they resolved it. It's like this man has been a tyrant for yeah. like all week, uh, a week of suits, but like d- definitely more than a week of their lives. And they're just like, Come on, Lewis, stop. Stop playing. Like, even Lewis and Rachel, she's like, Remember that time you? said some stuff about me you know like like mm-hmm. they just like completely just glance over that kind of stuff so for me i'm just like i wouldn't let it go but i do have a personal question for you yes 
Indiana Jones or Han Solo? I feel like that, I mean, Indiana Jones is his own guy. It has his own movies. I feel like I would say goodbye to Han Solo. And I probably would not call them the two most important characters in film history. I felt like this two, these two characters were very important to you. I felt like this was a personal Rob shout out. No, I think that, you know, they're big deals for sure. But mm. like, I think that they probably could have like, I think Chewbacca could have flown the Millennium Falcon and uh, like, oh. I think they would have been OK. Like if, you know, Han Solo <laughs> died, like I'm pretty sure they would have been able to do most of the stuff. You're saying like we didn't like Han Solo is replaceable, but Indiana Jones is not. I mean, you're that's probably fair. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I thought it was a very interesting question in the flashback uh, because, you know, again, I know that you were a big Indiana Jones guy and a big uh, Star Wars guy. I was like, oh, they're pitting the two bad bitches against each other, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I, I, I Han Solo, I would Indiana just say, Jones is part too. of a, an ensemble. Uh, and yes. then we have where, you know, Indiana Jones is like his own guy. He has his own franchise. Yeah, he's he's the king of that castle. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure this is the correct answer, but Mike couldn't answer it. Um, you know that that Claire lady. Uh, do you think we ever see her again? I don't know. So uh, this is uh, you know we got this sent to us, and uh, Patty, uh, our own junior uh, partner, says that Claire is played by uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, uh, Trian. Uh, Belisario, which is the real life wife of Patrick J. Adams. Really? So based off of that and based off of how many times, uh, you know, we got to see, you know, other family members of the people from the show, I, I will say probably. Okay. Um, did they meet on suits or was this his wife before? they? Uh, got I think suits? that that was probably his real life wife uh, at the point that they filmed this, if I had to guess. Now, I wonder if in the future, could he run into her and and then it'd be sort of like, oh, wait, could she know that he's not really a lawyer? OK, so this this uh, this website from USA Network, well, so a very important website, I guess, when it comes to suits, says uh, they met. Uh, let's see. They were both cast in the 2009 performance of Equivocation and they started dating after meeting on the set. They broke up quickly, but got back together when they were uh, back in each other's fears. When uh, Patrick J. Adams guest starred in a 2010 episode of Pretty Little Liars. Oh, that's where she's from. OK. Boom. Makes sense now. Um, they dated for several years, appearing in some short films together. And then she guest starred on Suits. I won't say for how many episodes before they were married in December of 2016 in Santa Barbara. So they actually were dating. Dating. At this point. Yeah. And then uh, they get married later on. So, yeah, I could imagine, you know, a world where this is wife. And we've seen Harvey's like dad and all this other stuff. I could, I could see us bringing in uh you know patrick j adams wife for like a yeah uh, an arc on suits i mean again how often do we see one person who only gets one episode <laughs> yeah every single person comes back for another episode yeah um we were looking for a test type to kind of um you know uh, maybe throw some some rockiness into the the mike and rachel relationship this could be our girl could be Chappelle, who gets the Liddy here in this episode that's a flashback? Is it Harvey for setting up uh, this whole situation in the present day? Is there somebody from the past that you want to give it to? 
nobody from the past. Um, uh, Mike really botched that thing with the girl because the hater was like, oh, get away from Claire, blah, blah, blah. And then Claire told him to go be a lawyer, basically. Um, she, she doesn't get any credit because she told him to go do fraud. I mean, not really, but basically. Um, and then in the present day, Harvey cleans up the mess between his two boys. He needs to get them on the same page. And it does seemingly work out. So I guess it can be Harvey. Yeah, I think it's really I think it's Harvey. Mike. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but yeah, a, a part of me kind of wanted to give it to Mike, but I think I don't think you can get away with not giving this to Harvey. This is a win win for him. Mm hmm. OK. All right. You mentioned uh, some of the references uh, between uh, Claire deciding for or having Mike decide between Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Also, he has to decide between Butch and Sundance. But Mike, I I'm starting to think like it has no ability to talk to another person unless it's about, you know, some kind of like references or trauma. He's got <laughs> two modes. You got two modes. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a person who talks in references as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever catch me in the wild, I pretty much am exclusively like the boondocks quotes and Family Guy and American Dad. Like if you just do like a random word, word jumble from those three shows, yeah. I'm probably just quoting them. Um, and throw in Survivor as well. And then that's it. That you got me. Uh, so I get that part. But the trauma thing is real. Like Mike, Mike Ross, it, you, the moment you say you're sad about something, he's like, wait, tell me more. You know, he's like a leech for that kind of thing. Um, but but he never seems to be able to make any like hard choices when it comes to these references. Like this Sundance and Butch reference, that's fine. But like like you said, we came to a decision mm -hmm. on the Han Solo Indiana Jones very quickly. Like you can't like all uh, these I shows can't. equally. Yeah. Right. Equally, there's mm -hmm. no way. Yeah. Another fun thing to track is every time Paul Porter comes up. Paul Porter was a guy that we saw back in, I think it was in season two. He was the guy that was like doing like the real estate deal that he wanted it to just go away, that he was one of the people that hates Harvey and mm -hmm. Harvey like screwed him over. But his name gets mentioned in a lot of episodes. Like he's just like the one other like named senior partner that just gets name checked a lot. He's the person in this episode who claimed uh, that Rachel looked like the less attractive version of uh, Khaleesi's translator. Paul Porter can't be that bad. He's a throner. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me bring in uh, some more questions. Another piece of feedback uh, that we got. This is uh, and from an anonymous listener who said, I really enjoyed learning more about Harvey and Lewis's backstory, but why do they insist <laughs> on including Trevor in these flashbacks? His conversations with Mike are painful to listen to, and it added nothing. Enough! <laughs> I think that means we're getting more Trevor. Yeah. There's no reason to I keep do have to say, him in flashbacks like, if we're like, not getting him in the, the future. The dick foot of it all was like pretty insufferable. Even no, by treasure Trevor's standards. Awful. Yeah, he's awful. Like uh like hey dick foot, hey dick face, hey big foot. What else he call him? Fart mouth? It was like, bruh, you're grown. You're a grown ass man. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, all his jokes are just like penis, fart. Mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, and Mike kind of. Where was that Jenny in this bit. episode? Uh, had he not met Jenny yet? Is it, this is this could be pre. Is this pre Jenny? Pre Jenny? Yeah, I think it's pre Jenny. I'm trying to think. So the, I guess so that the first flashback episode chronologically 
is after, after this one. This. So it, yeah, if we were gonna like the timeline of so the the season three flashback episode happens first, then mm-hmm. the season four flashback episode in the timeline, and then the season two flashback episode. Ironically, the first flashback episode was the furthest that uh, was the closest yes. to the present yes right uh and and that probably makes sense right they're trying to go back and fill in the blanks and make a storyline happen that didn't happen they're they're trying to give us more context to these characters so they have to keep going further and further back uh you know now that we have more information about them so that first one was like yeah this is a couple years ago when they first got this their, their, their start but then it was like Nah, this is when Harvey first gets hired on, you know, like that, that was like the first out the gate. Like we need to see Harvey leave the DA. And now we're up to the point where it's like, okay, Harvey's an associate, you know, it's kind of like you get, they have to go back and try to fill in these blanks because they want us to really care about the relationship between these characters. So we don't write off someone like Lewis. Cause like I said, I'm done with Lewis. I'm sorry. Uh, there's not going to be enough flashbacks in the world. Yeah. He's you gonna, still haven't he's forgiven have him. Jump, right. He has to jump in front of a train for someone like literally, um, and so, and I've seen this show before, and I don't remember when, like, when I come around on Lewis or if I ever do. But if he jumps in front of a train for somebody, I'm sorry for spoiling that for you. Okay. Ace also wrote in with some feedback who say uh, about last episode when Lewis mm. was so angry at Donna saying that she was never his friend because she didn't share Mike's secret. I wanted her to stand up and say that she didn't want to drag him into this illegal activity. She was trying to protect him. That's what a good friend would do. It seems like a good reason over and over for these people not to share the secret. Uh, I'm the I'm on the podcast. You suggested uh, this as a reason for Lewis uh, not to bring Katrina back. Would that be hypocritical of him? I think it would be. I think Lewis going to get Katrina and bringing her in on the crime. Let Katrina live. Let her stay yeah. with Robert Zane and be scot free. Because like Lewis said, Mike ruined his life. And I think that in a way she got out of the plane crash. She did. She dodged the bullet now because once Lewis got what he finally wanted, what he's always wanted, which is name partner, it comes with a price. And that price is knowing exactly what happened with Mike Ross and now being like legally bonded to this man who is a fraud who will potentially one day get caught and have you sit to jail. And so, yeah, if I'm Donna, I'm telling Lewis all kinds of stuff, including that. But I don't think Lewis was going to hear it. Lewis at this point was just like, nope. If you were my real friend, you would have not only told me, but we would have taken down Mike Ross together as a family. Uh, and so I just don't think that uh, there's any way she could have saved face in that moment. But I agree. He was tripping. Okay. Chappelle, anything else about the 13th episode here of season four? Hated it. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> we are good. We are safe. We are good. We are good. All right. Uh, from yeah. February 11th, 2015. All right. All right. I did some math yesterday. Uh, this is uh, the 57th episode of Suits. You and I hey. were talking yesterday about, uh, you know, how far are we along on our journey? So episode 67 will be the halfway point. So we are just 10 episodes away from the halfway point on our Suits journey. Cool, I'll bring the can opener. 134 episodes, and that's not including Pearson. Oh, that's not including Pearson. Which or we, the suit spinoff. Or the suit spinoff, okay? So <laughs> we have to talk about uh, you know, what we're going to do with all that stuff. But that's going to do it here for us today. Chappelle, um, where can people keep up with you? 
Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show and uh, check out Nothing But Netflix. You know, we had a good 100th episode. Of 100 episodes. Yes. We're 50. Yeah. Set, we're we're going to catch up to Nothing But Netflix pretty soon because we're we on. This is the 57th episode of this podcast. Yeah, we're going to catch up to Nothing But Netflix. It's going to be weird. Uh, but yeah, we get 100 episodes of Nothing But Netflix. And also me and Brian Scally are, are going through, um, you know, the devil's plan in the Netflix feed as well. So check out Nothing But Netflix. Subscribe to Nothing But Netflix wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.